Welcome back to the Spirits Guide Podcast. I am Rich, your guide through the intoxicating spirits world. And on this episode, I'm continuing my journey down memory lane by reminiscing about the day I spent at Four Roses Distillery. It was an amazing day. You know, we're here. It's Bourbon Heritage Month. We're not talking about anything but bourbon for the whole entire month of September. This, man... I mean, I talk about it in the episode, you know, going to Buffalo Trace and going to Jim Beam and going to Heaven Hill is like going to, you know, New York or L.A. or Las Vegas or Boston or Miami. Like, it's the big city. It's exciting. It's There's so much energy. Going to Four Roses was like a zen experience. Everything about this place is just calming peaceful beautiful the architecture is like no other distillery i have been to in kentucky it's just absolutely beautiful and i love the fact that what they do is they do four roses you know i i talk about it a lot how i love heaven hill and jim beam and buffalo trace and they make all these amazing brands but at four roses they make four roses and they make it great um something else about this episode I was on a crunch for the week. Uh, so much going on at work as we start to get ready for bourbon hysteria season. Uh, Short-staffed like every other industry is. And I was trying to get away for the weekend to take some time off. So when I was recording this, it was very, very late at night. Uh, I know I sound a little punchy, uh, but I was dedicated. I'm committed to doing this podcast even if I have to do it at midnight at night and, and sound punchy and goofy. I was not going to let a week go by without giving you guys the best possible content I could. Um, and this was the best I possibly could. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy it and have some fun with it. Uh, and if you like what I'm doing, you guys know the drill. Go to the podcast page, click that follow button, give it a five-star rating, and then share it out on your social media. Let's grow this family that we're building. Um, Again, just like thank you guys so much. I feel like there, there's new sort of people that I'm connecting with every single week. You guys are stopping by the store, saying hi, sending me messages, commenting on it. I really do appreciate and love the fact that we're all kind of connected by this amazing spirits world. Um, you guys know the drill. If there's a sample that you're curious as to my opinion for, um, if there's something I've tried here in the podcast that you're curious to try, or if you want to come by, hang out, co-host, uh, email me, thespiritguide89 at gmail.com. And I know I, I kind of skipped over it, but follow along on Facebook and Instagram as The Spirits Guide. You can leave comments and reviews about the podcast there as well. All right, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. I did enjoy it as much as I sound like I'm punchy and goofy. I promise you I wasn't drunk at the time I was recording it. I may have gotten a little drunk afterwards. All right, uh, enjoy, guys. Cheers. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Get a little scratch in the throat there. All right, here we are. You know, it's uh, the full-length epi episode. We are in full, full throttle of Bourbon Heritage Month here in September. We're talking about nothing but bourbon. And like I've been doing for the last couple weeks, 
I'm using this as an opportunity to rep, uh, reminisce. Wow. You can tell uh, it's been a long week. I apologize. Tired. Uh, I'm recording this rather late at night. Um, so if I seem a little, a little sloppy, <clears throat> it's not because I've been drinking yet. Uh, but maybe having a drink will, uh, will help that. So let's get right into that. So yeah, it's Bourbon Heritage Month, and for the last two weeks, I've been talking about places that I've actually visited. <clears throat> and again, I'm doing this because, one, I love the stroll down memory lane. I loved the time that I've spent in Kentucky. And, you know, I'm looking forward to going again next year. And again, my plan is that if I get it all set up, I would like to put a group of people together to kind of all go down and tour these distilleries together. And the distillery I'm talking about this week, ah, man, that's so nice, um, is Four Roses. Four Roses, you, you know, you talk about bourbon heritage. This is a brand with a long, twisting, turning history. You know, it's been around, geez, since... I mean, the name was trademarked in the 1880s. They were one of the first ones to really do major, you know, sort of national marketing. Uh, the distillery that they are located in was built in 1910. And it's just, you know, what I loved about my visit there, and it kind of set the table of how we even ended up there, was we went to... Buffalo Trace, that first day of my first trip down to Louisville. I'd actually been to Louisville well before that, but uh, not for anything bourbon related. Uh, I worked for the Jillian's Corporation, and that's where the corporate headquarters were. So I had to go down there and do a whole bunch of training, but I never get to see any of the distilleries. So the first sort of bourbon trip I took, the first place we went was Buffalo Trace. And I had nothing set up for the day. And again, I was still kind of novice in this bourbon world. You know, I just had kind of started working at the store. You know, bourbon was kind of hot. To me, it was hot because it was less expensive than scotch. And, you know, I just loved whiskey of all kinds. And I started drinking bourbon. And, you know, I had been out of the retail end of things for a while. I was now back into it. I was starting to see brands that I hadn't seen before. And, you know, I just planned a trip to Kentucky. I wanted to go on an adventure. Uh, and like I said, right before this, I think I talked about this last week, I had done a road trip out to Michigan a few months before this. So this was just sort of an extension on these road trip missions that we were going on. And so I didn't have a ton of visits set up. I had reached out to some of my sales reps and said, hey, you know, where can you, you, you know, set us up some tours or whatever. I had no idea what to expect, and I was just sort of thankful that we got to do something. So, you know, we went to Buffalo Trace. We're overwhelmed. We're blown away. It's beautiful. We wrap up the day there, and we're heading back out. Don't really know where to go. Still no full sense of the world that I was in. And then we were kind of driving down the road, and we see a sign that says, you know, like, Four Roses, next left. So we're like, hey, we'll, we'll stop in there. And, you know, if if Jim Beam and Heaven Hill and Buffalo Trace are like my big three for bourbon distilleries, 
they're like the big cities. Like they're like L.A., New York, and Miami. You know, like that's what they're. Like. They're just big and intoxicating and just beautiful and wonderful and incredible. Four Roses. Four Roses is like a a trip to Cancun. You know, it's beautiful. It's peaceful. It's it's scenic. Um, it, it's it's historic. And again, you feel like you're walking with ghosts. But you know the the thing that stands out about Four Roses to me, you know, every place else looks like this industrial distillery. You know, and the the buildings have that sort of black fungus that grows on them, which is natural to all the rickhouses down there. And you know they they look like distilleries. When you roll into Four Roses, everything there is built in like a Spanish mission style. It, I when we rolled up, are we in Kentucky? Like I felt like we were in like Southern California, Northern Mexico. They just it had that vibe, that color scheme the sort of adobe uh, kind of feel to it, those rippled rooftops. It's just an absolutely beautiful property that of all the distilleries that I went to, this is the one that didn't look like anything else. And like every great distillery, there's a big body of water, the river that runs right through it. In fact, if you go to Kentucky and you find the river and just drive up and down the river, you'll find most of the distilleries they're located near water sources. Um, and I remember the tour guide telling us that they pumped like a million gallons of water out of that. Uh, it was like a lake outside of the distillery. They pump like a million gallons out every day. And then they pump basically, you know, 800,000 gallons back in as they kind of run the water through and filter it out. It was just, while all the other distilleries were beautiful, this is the most picturesque serene like there's you know at buffalo trace there's like trucks coming and going and it feels like a lot of hustle and bustle and that was the same thing at, at uh heaven hill it was the same thing at jim beam like you know there's big truck that didn't seem to be any of that happening the day we were at four roses and this was right after we left uh buffalo trace now one of the things that i appreciate a lot about Four Roses too is they just make Four Roses. Maybe they make some whiskey that they source out. I, you know, I don't hear anybody ever saying like, oh, that's Buffalo Trace juice. Or, well, I hear them say that about Buffalo Trace. You never hear them say that about Four Roses. You know, you hear that about Barton, like that's Barton juice in that, you know, bottle. That's Heaven Hill juice. But I never hear anybody say like, oh, that's Jim Beam. Uh, wow. I am just a hot mess today. I, I never hear anybody say, like, that's Four Roses juice. Uh, same thing with Maker's Mark. Like, Maker's Mark just makes Maker's Mark. I don't know that anybody buys barrels of Maker's Mark for their brand. Like, it's nothing is sourced out of Maker's Mark or Four Roses. So they make their yellow label, which is their standard 80-proof offering, which is what I'm about to drink now. Uh they make their small batch, they make a single barrel, and then they make a small batch select. And then they do a couple of limited rare, uh, you know, they do the, 
the small batch limited edition, which I think I see one bottle every other year. It's that rare. And by the way, this year for the release of that, much like uh, Brown Foreman is doing with Old Forester Birthday Bourbon, they're just doing a national lottery. So you don't have to go and wait in line at the distillery. The only way you can get it is through this lottery. So, yeah, just really quickly, some of the history on it. You know, I know this isn't a lot about the history, but it really is a big part of, you know, Four Roses just in general. Uh, they were bought by the Seagram's company in 1943, and they pretty much discontinued bourbon shortly thereafter. Um, you know, Seagram's, uh, the owner of Seagram's didn't believe that this country was going to want to go with bolder flavors. And they owned 10 distilleries in sort of, you know, the Louisville area. And so they made lighter style whiskeys for blending. In fact, when Seagram's bought it, they were using the Four Roses bourbon that was on hand to blend into Crown Royal. So if you can find old bottles of Crown Royal from like the 40s and 50s, there's some Four Roses in there. Now, granted, it was the Four Roses that was made at that time and not the Four Roses that was made at this time. But there is Four Roses bourbon in some old dusty bottles of Crown Royal. Uh, in the 70s, they developed brands like Eagle Rare and Benchmark. Uh, eventually, uh, a guy named Jim Rutledge gets hired by Seagram's. He goes to work for what would later become MGP, which is now Ross and Squibb. Uh, and then he gets shipped to the Seagram's corporate office in New York. He kind of missed being in the distillery. He got transferred down to the Four Roses distillery. And from the time he got there in 1995, he fought to bring bourbon production back to Four Roses. You know, eventually the distillery gets sold by Seagram's to Kirin, which is a Japanese brewery. And, you know, there was a time when nobody in this country wanted bourbon and the Japanese were the only ones that wanted. So there are bottlings of Four Roses that only get shipped to Japan. You know, Jim Rutledge brings Four Roses back to prominence. It's, you know, back on top of the mountain. One of my absolute favorite, favorite bourbons. Uh, and then Jim Rutledge stepped down in 2015. He's been succeeded by Brent Elliott. So now when you see the bottles of Four Roses, what we call yellow label, uh, you see Brent Elliott's so a signature on them. Uh, you know, there's a big famous, there's a picture of post-World War II, sailors were coming back. There's a sailor kissing a woman in New York City. And that's what everybody notices. But if you look in the background of that picture you can see the four roses electronic sign uh in the background that was up there from i think 1938 to 1945 um so yeah a lot a lot of history in the four roses brand and the other thing that they're really well known for now is you know when seagram's owned these 10 distilleries each one of them had a different mash bill and they only made that mash bill, but they learned how to make everybody else's mash bill. And when 
Seagram's kind of sold off all these distilleries and Four Roses was the last one left standing. They made all 10 mash bills. And to this day, that's what they're known for is having 10 different mash bills. And they kind of break down like this. Mash bill B is 60% corn, 35% rye, 5% barley. Mash bill E, 75% corn, 20% rye, 5% barley. So really both mash bills are high rye mash bills. They have five different yeast strains. And the yeast is where all the flavor comes from. So uh, they have yeast strains that they label V, K, O, Q, and F. The V brings a delicate fruit flavor. The K brings spice notes. The O brings rich fruit. The Q brings floral. And the F brings herbal flavors. Now, we've, if you guys have drank four roses or heard anything about four roses you know about this obsv that's the the mash bill so there's 10 of these mash bills and here's how they break down the o at the beginning the reason every one of those mash bills starts with an o is because that signifies that it was distilled in lawrenceburg uh kentucky the second letter is the mash bill so it's either OB or OE. Those are the only two options you have, OB or OE. Uh, the S signifies that it's straight bourbon. So S is in every single one of them. And then the last letter is the yeast strain. So OBSV, made in Lawrenceburg. Uh, it's mash bill B, so 6035.5. Straight whiskey. And then the yeast strain is the V, which is the delicate fruit. And so all their bottlings are just sort of different blends of these 10 mash bills. The first one we're starting with is the yellow label, and it's the only one that incorporates all 10 mash bills. This is on average a five-year bourbon, and it's bottled at 80 proof. And I don't care that it's 80 proof. I love it. I love the fact that Fred Minnick was just talking about 80 proof bourbons are perfect because you don't have to add anything to them. You can just sip them straight. Mm. Soft, sweet, spicy. Just beautiful. Uh, great for sipping straight. Great for making cocktails with. And, you know, it's like 20 bucks a bottle so you can't go wrong great great bottle 20 bucks for a bottle that has a cork in it I, that kind of impresses me as well so as i sip this let's do some news and notes for the week um some interesting stuff that i i read gonzalez Bayesh, which is a sherry producer in spain um I talked about them on the podcast a while back. They announced that they are doing a sherry finished gin. Now, there's a brand of gin out there called Number One Gin. It's great London dry style. Uh, last year, we did this whole gin feature at Wachusa Wine and Spirits, and I got to taste that gin. I actually still have some here. But the concept of a sherry barrel finished gin Super, super intrigued by that. I'm going to be out looking for that. I'm going to be talking to my sales reps to see if, you know, any of that is going to be available in the area. 
you know, under the category of, is this something we need in our world? Bailey's has released a s'mores flavored version of their cream liqueur. So something that's already sweet is now sweet and tastes like s'mores. I don't know. These Bailey's flavors, I get it. You're always trying to expand and do something different. But I feel like customers buy them because they go like, ooh, s'mores. That'll be good in my coffee. That'll be good in my hot chocolate. And they get it home. You know, most people drink like half the bottle in their coffee or hot chocolate. And then the the excitement wears off. And I find that they never really buy a second bottle to the point where I think at the store, we only brought in three bottles because I feel like we're going to sell those three bottles and then the excitement's going to be over and it's going to pass. Do we really need that? And again, who's paying for the research and development of these products? We are. Um, it's just built into the price of the other Bailey's products and the other things that Diageo owns. Um, Gallo, I reported, you know, a, a couple weeks that Gallo had bought Horse Soldier Bourbon and that Horse Soldier Bourbon was building a $20 million distillery. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine who works in the Gallo sort of higher up corporate and he said it's actually closer to $250 million that they are sinking into this brand. So uh, look for some interesting things, you know, four, six, eight years down the road. Gallo really trying to be a player in the spirits world. So if they're building that kind of distillery, I got a feeling that Horse Soldier is not going to be the only brand that is getting pumped out. <sighs> Again, I... This next one, like, I love the fact that there's some money going into, you know, whiskey, but Jim Beam, $400 million expansion. Uh, We just talked about the millions of dollars that Buffalo Trace is putting in for expansion. Like, where is all this money coming from? Bless them. You know, they're going to amp up production. There's going to be more bourbon available. You know, hopefully for them that, you know, Americans are still in love with bourbon by the time this stuff kind of comes to fruition and, uh, you know, they're not kind of gearing up. But then again, maybe this is good for us because if the palates change and those of us who are just true whiskey drinkers are still around in five, six years, maybe the prices of these bourbons will start to come back down to earth. Um, yeah, in Espelon. One of my favorite brands of tequila has announced that there's a new expression in their lineup. They're coming out with a Cristalino version of their tequila. Cristalino, anybody who knows me knows that I love these tequilas. What that means is they age it, either Reposado, which is to me a little cheating, but usually it's an Añejo or an extra Añejo. So you get all those great aged flavors. You get the flavor of whatever wood the tequila was aged in. And then they charcoal filter it, which softens out the tequila, but it also strips it of its color. Look, I'm all for Espelon putting out a Cristalino, but here's the problem. I can't get any fucking 1.5 liter, 1.75 liters of Espelon silver. I can't get Espelon Reposado 750s or 1.75s. There's no regular Espelon available, yet they're putting out a new expression of a higher end I don't get it. This is the tequila thing that I keep ranting about every single week. How is there a new luxury brand of tequila 
and I read about another one this week of, of another luxury brand. I, I don't get how these, uh, who was it? Sincoro, which is owned by, you know, a bunch of rich NBA people, like the guy who owns the Celtics and the people who own the Lakers and Michael Jordan. They're coming out with, this was actually kind of funny. They're coming out with Sincoro gold. And I thought like, you guys are fucking stupid. Like who calls a high end $350 bottle of tequila gold? Anybody who knows anything about tequila knows, one, that gold is not an official classification. It typically means you've added caramel coloring to it. That's why Jose Cuervo is called gold tequila. It's not a good connotation to be a gold tequila, yet their $350 expression that's blended of silver, reposado, and Añejo tequilas, $350. Where are you getting all this excess juice when I can't get Espelon silver? Like, I don't get how we can't get the base model, but these guys keep launching products. I'm going to circle back to that concept in a second. Uh, Sotheby's. Sotheby's, a big auction house. They're doing whiskey auctions. They are doing a 60-bottle lot that is containing what's called the six pillars of McAllen. I don't even know what kind of nonsense that is, but there's 60 bottles that are all 50 years and older that were put together by an anonymous collector in California. So if you want to throw your hat in the ring, if you want to take a chance at this at the auction, it is estimated to be worth 1.5 to 2.15 million dollars. If you get a couple million thrown around and you want 60 bottles of 50-year-old whiskeys, there you go. They can be yours for a song, a prayer, and $2 million. I, I don't even know what you do with that when you buy it. Do you open it? Do you drink it? Do you have a frame of reference? How do you even know if it's good? What do you compare it to? I don't know. But hey. Bless you. If you've got the money and you know what, if I hit the lottery, I would buy that and I would invite as many of you over to my house, which would be a palatial mansion. If I hit the lottery for that kind of money Um, and we would hang out on my veranda and I would share that with all of you. Um, I promise, but that's not going to happen. So, Um, and then let's get into this, you know, Five whiskeys you'll probably never see and couldn't afford if you wanted to. This kind of piggies back on the, the Espelon thing. Dewars has announced French Smooth. Now, they put out this great series a couple years ago. They had Caribbean Smooth, which was Dewars finished in rum barrels. And they had Portuguese Smooth, which was finished in port barrels. And they had Illegal Smooth, which was finished in Mezcal barrels. Uh, And then the last one they put out was Japanese Smooth, which was finished in Mizunura Oak barrels. And they were all fantastic except for the Mezcal one. I actually still have some bottles left. But they have been out of stock for over a year. It's been at least a year since I've had them in the store, which means it's been a year and a half since I've even been able to order them. I can't order doers 750s I, I can't order you know aberfeldy which is the base uh whiskey in doers i can't get any of that stuff available but hey 
we're launching a new expression in a line that's not available to anybody. I don't get it. Um, and it's too bad because those whiskeys, they were like 25 bucks for eight-year-old scotch. They're all fantastic. Like I said, the, the illegal Mezcal one was a little sort of underwhelming. But the Dewar's French Smooth, if we ever see it in, a, in the wild, is not finished in French oak. It's finished in Calvados barrels. I'm so excited to try that for like 25 bucks, even if it went up to 30 bucks. It's still worth it. The problem is, is I can't get any of the other smooths. How am I going to get this one? I don't know. I don't get this whole thing where we can't get the base model products, but we're launching more <laughs> versions of the product that we can't satisfy the demand for already. Here's some other things on our whiskey release list. Uh, Hirsch. Love these guys. Uh, my friend Paulo, who works for Hodling, which is the parent company that owns it. Hirsch is another historic brand of whiskey. Uh, really, really interesting stuff. Uh, people know me, know that I love the Horizon. That's their bottling that's sourced from Indiana. They are now going to put out uh, a version that's sourced entirely from Kentucky. I saw the name of it earlier today. I meant to write it down. I didn't. It's a really weird, weird name that is kind of hard to pronounce. Uh, but basically, there's going to be a new version of Hirsch coming out. This one was weird to me. I saw this one on Fred Minnick's website. Yellow Wolf, who's a hip-hop artist. Uh, he worked with Eminem. He actually had a song on one of the Sons of Anarchy soundtracks from the last season. He's now working on the rock side of the music industry with Shooter Jennings. He has released an 18-year rye that was distilled in North Carolina. Uh, look it up. There's an interview on YouTube between Fred Minnick and this guy, Yellow Wolf. The amount that went into the packaging is staggering. Uh, he has a, a line of whiskey called Creek Water. And uh, this 18-year rye will set you back a cool 400 bucks if you can find one of these 600 bottles in existence. And considering I watched him open one on the video he did with Fred Minnick, the 599 bottles in existence of Yellow Wolf's 18-year North Carolina rye. Um, yeah. Blade & Bow announcing the release of their 22-year whiskey. Uh, available in limited states, so you're probably not going to see that unless you're going on road trips traveling all over the country. Uh, Kings County, which is a distillery that I'm kind of fascinated with. I like their stuff. I love their peated bourbon. Uh, they've announced that they're putting out a new kind of flagship Kings County whiskey, which is going to be a blend of bourbon, corn whiskey, rye whiskey, and malt whiskey. Uh, interesting, interesting stuff. I love their stuff. It's a little pricey. It's kind of in that craft distillery price range. That's a little bit higher than maybe what it's comparable to on a quality level, but their stuff is really, really good. So I'd be curious to try that. Hopefully that comes to our area. And then sort of the last news and note, Redwood Empire, which you guys know, I love those guys. Uh, I get to meet Jeff Duckhorn, the master distiller. A few months back, great, great guy. Their whiskeys are all fantastic. Lost Monarch, which is a blend of their bourbon and their rye. I've voted the best under $35 bottle of whiskey in my store for two years in a row. 
It's a winner. Last year, they put out their first bottled in bond. So what they do is they source uh, whiskey from uh, MGP or Ross and Squibb now from somewhere in Kentucky, and then they're making their own whiskey. But now they've got enough of their whiskey, and it's old enough to start releasing their own bottled in bond. Um, so they do a bottled in bond bourbon and a bottled in bond rye. I got to taste these earlier in the year. They are so good. And this year, they've changed it up. So if you got last year's and you're thinking, like, I'm good, new mash bill on this year's Bottled and Bond. The bourbon is going to break down like this. 66 corn, 23 rye, 7 wheat, 4 barley. And the rye is going to be 87% rye, 5 wheat, 5 barley, and 3 corn. So pretty unique mash bills on both of those. I look forward to getting those in the store. They'll be coming in soon. All right, I'm going to take a quick breather, refill my water, get the rest of my bottles ready, and get back. We'll start talking about my day at Four Roses and drink some amazing whiskey. All right, I am back. It's not getting any earlier in the day. Uh, yeah, and I mean, like I said, the reason I'm so tired, it's just, it's been a, a wild, crazy week at work. Uh, so much going on. Uh, I've got to try a lot of great whiskeys over the course of the week. Um, and I'm trying to get this whole podcast done because I'm going away for the weekend because I need a few days away. So I'm trying to get everything kind of bunched in and, and wrapped up before I go. But, you know, I, I've explained it before. Like, you know, I do this podcast because you guys are out there and, and you're listening. And, you know, I appreciate the, the feedback and the messages and stopping by and, and saying hi and, you know, saying that you listened to it, you enjoyed it, asking me deeper questions. Love, love, love that. And I also do it for myself um, because I, I know for me personally, and like anything else in life, if you don't stick to it, whether it's, you know, going to the gym or being committed in relationships or friendships, like if you don't keep at it, um, you'll get lazy and it kind of slips away from you. So even though I'm tired, even though I've got a whole bunch of stuff going on, like, this keeps me honest and true to myself. And it's also how I keep learning because every time I pick a topic or something I'm going to talk about, you guys know, like I always think like, oh, this is going to be easy. And then I dig in and then find out that there's more to know. And then you, you find yourself in a rabbit hole. So here we are, you know, it's Bourbon Heritage Month and I'm talking about places that I've been. We're talking about Four Roses Distillery. Uh, again, long and storied history. Uh, this distillery itself, not the Four Roses brand, but the distillery itself was one of the six distilleries that continued to make whiskey during Prohibition um, for, quote unquote, medicinal purposes. Um, you know, I mentioned the, the big billboard in Times Square. Uh, you know, it was a big sort of thing in uh, the show Mad Men, which really is kind of credited with bringing whiskey back, and especially classic cocktails like the Old Fashioned uh, were big in that. So 
just a lot going on. And if you kind of read into the history of the brand and where the name came from, uh, there was a guy whose last name was Rose. There's a story about another guy who was smitten with a Southern bell. And she, you know, she says, if you show up with four roses, I'll go to this ball with you. So there's a lot of kind of romanticism in, in history and folklore. And, and you're not really sure what parts of it are true. But what is true now is that the bourbons are fantastic. And like I said, they just they focus in on four roses. So I've moved up the chain. Um, again, really only four bottlings in sort of the everyday rotation of four roses. The next one on my list is the four roses small batch. So small batch, again, there's no legal federal guidelines definition to what small batch means just means sort of in general that the sort of, you know, I guess this is a great brand to really talk about what it is. So the yellow label, which was the first bourbon we drank in the last segment is a blend of all 10 of their mash bills. And I'm not sure exactly how many barrels, but you know, in the least it's all 10 mash bills. So, you know, I don't know, maybe a hundred barrels, a couple hundred barrels, the small batch, which is a six to seven year uh, bourbon only uses four of the recipes and it uses recipes two, three, seven, and eight, two for the record, OBSK, three OBSO, uh, seven and eight OESK and OESO. So basically the same yeast strain on, you know, basically it's both different mash bills um, and two of the same yeast strains. So two mash bills with the K yeast strain and two mash bills with the O yeast strain. And this is, this is a gem and this is always kind of right there in my best bourbons under 40 bucks. Uh, affordable, I think it's still under 35. Uh, it's definitely under 40 though. So I'm just kind of looking at my notes here because it's uh, yeast strain K, which is a yeast strain that imparts a lot of spice notes and yeast strain O, which kind of lends itself to richer fruit notes. Um, I suppose I should recap uh, yellow label. Is it good? Yes. Is it worth the money? Yeah. It. I just named it one of my best bourbons under $25. There's a bottle starter conversation. Yeah. It's now referred to as the yellow label for roses. You know, it's a big bright yellow label. It's got a picture of a red rose on the front. Uh, by the way, that one also comes in a 1.75 liter. So if you're looking to buy in bulk, uh, you know, for parties, friends, whatever, uh, you can get it in a bigger bottle. So is it good? Yes. Is it worth the money? Does it bought a side of conversation? Absolutely. Small batch. I love this bottle. It's got the raised glass roses right in the middle. Uh, it's a different shape than the 80 proof gold label. This is a little bit wider, um, almost like a teardrop shaped bottle. Big wide cork on the top. And let's give it a taste. 
I think a bug just flew into my whiskey. And that's kind of gross. So we're going to switch glasses. So while we switch glasses for me to taste, I'm going to bounce over to my New Orleans glass. A good prepared drinker always has an extra glass around. <laughs> oh. So, all right, here we go. I'm going in. Mm. And it delivers as promised. It's rich. It's fruity. It's spicy. Uh, small batch, six, seven years. Again, four recipes. This one's bottled at 90 proof. So a little bit higher proof point. A little bit more specific flavor profile. Really nice, rich, sweet finish. So again, we had just left Buffalo Trace. We're driving down the road. We see a sign that says Four Roses. We pull in. For whatever reason, the day we kind of pulled in, there was nobody really there. Like It almost seemed like the distillery was abandoned. And we walked into the visitor center, you know, Actually, if I remember correctly, it was later in the day. So they were probably getting ready to close. And we just decided, like, hey, we'll pay the money, 10 bucks or whatever. We'll do the tour. And it was kind of a cool tour of it starts with you sitting in this room and watching a video presentation on all 10 of these mash bills, the history of Four Roses. Just, you know, fascinating. Not too long, just kind of long enough to teach you while, you know, before losing your your interest. And then the tour guide comes in and he grabs us. And it was just the three of us on this tour. I think we were actually the last tour of the day now that I remember. And so, you know, we got to see some of the grounds. And it's just, again, you don't feel like you're in Kentucky. You feel like you're in Southern California when you're walking the grounds because of the buildings and the color schemes. And it just doesn't look like any other distillery that I have been to in Kentucky. And I've been to, again, most of the big ones. We got to go see the fermentation tanks. And I talked last week about, you know, how Buffalo Trace and you had to kind of go into this building and then you walk up to the first floor and the second floor and the third floor. And you look down in these big stainless steel fermenting tanks. Well, Four Roses their fermenting tanks are made out of wood. To the best of my knowledge, they're the only ones doing it. It is an ancient wood that we were told if they wanted to make more of these fermentation tanks, they couldn't because the wood used was is extinct. It, you can't harvest it anymore. It's just extinct. And you like we didn't go up to the third floor. We were able to walk on basically like scaffolding, like go up to a platform and then just kind of look across much. I don't want to say small. Well, yeah, it's definitely smaller scale than Buffalo Trace was uh, just a little bit more intimate of a feel there. You know, we did the tour. We get to see again, hang out outside again. And then it was off to the gift shop where we got to taste some more whiskey i'm going on to my next whiskey here a little bit different cork pop this is the four roses single barrel and i know that there are some stores that get store picks of this and this used to be used to be able to get store picks of this it's a little bit harder 
now. And I feel like in the old days, and if anybody's listening and can verify this or not, or tell me I'm, I'm right or wrong, but I feel like in the old days when you picked up a bottle of Four Roses single barrel, the mash bill was printed on it. So it wasn't always the same mash bill. And now I feel like it's a slightly more consistent product. Uh, and it's a different bottle than the yellow label bottle. It's a different bottle than the small batch bottle. By the way, Four Roses small batch, is it good? Yeah, it's good. Uh, is it worth the money? Hands down. Uh, it's a bottle side of conversation. It's a beautiful bottle. And when people are looking to give a gift of a bottle of bourbon under 40 bucks, uh, this is the bottle I always recommend mostly because the whiskey's good, but because the packaging is very stylish. It's very elegant. Um, if you've got a special somebody that you want to buy roses for, this is the bottle. Now the single barrel bottle is a little bit taller. It's not as tall as the yellow label bottle, uh, kind of squared off shoulders. Again, that embossed four roses, but on this one, it's above the label. You know, the label clearly reads Four Roses Single Barrel. And this is, because it's a single barrel, it's only one mash bill. The single barrel is average seven to nine years. Uh, one recipe, and it is mash bill number one, OBSV. Uh, so obviously Lawrenceburg. Uh, B, so it's 60% corn, 35 rye, 5 barley, and then straight whiskey. And then the yeast strain is V, which is the delicate fruit yeast strain. Bottled at 100 proof. So as these go up in price, they also go up in proof. So we've gone from 80 to 90 to 100. Yeah, great. Um, a lot of fruit in the nose, a lot of spice. Oak is there, but subtle. It's kind of toasty oak. All right. Let's get into it. Mm. You really can feel the body ascending which each with each one of these bottlings. Um, obviously not as sweet as the small batch, a little bit toastier, um, a little bit spicier, nice fruit. Like the fruit is on, on the small batch and on the yellow label, there's almost like a big sweetness on the back end. There's like a sweet flavor in the back without sort of the sweetness, um, Sort of like the taste of brown sugar without the sugariness of brown sugar. So, yeah, we wrap up the tasting. Uh, we wrap up the tour. You know, you go back to like the visitor center and we get to taste through all the expressions. And the visitor center is cool because it shows, you know, uh, all the bottlings of Four Roses. And these guys really were kind of masters of, of advertising and marketing. There's a book, uh, Al Young, who was a brand ambassador forever. There was a Four Roses Al Young release a few years ago, sort of in commemoration of him. And there's a book kind of 
centered around Al Young and just the pictures of the advertising in the old bottles. And it, it tells this sort of up and down story through these pictures of one time, you know, Four Roses was the biggest selling bourbon in America. It was the most advertised. They were the first ones to really market their product. Seagram's kind of flushed it down the toilet. And at one point, Four Roses wasn't even bourbon anymore. It was just a blended whiskey, like a Seagram 7. And it kind of hit rock bottom. And I believe Four Roses even made a light whiskey, which was a style that kind of came out in the maybe late 70s, early 80s, where it was lighter body uh, when they were trying to compete with things like vodka and gin and white rum. And then, you know, the comeback story where it's one of the most prominent bourbons uh, on the market now. So it really has been a roller coaster ride for the brand of Four Roses. And it, it was just sort of fun to see the story, uh, not only in the pictures, but in the bottlings, um, you know, the labels that are used for the, the Japanese exclusives. It's just the whole experience was... <sighs> it was almost a very sort of Zen place where, you know, Buffalo Trace and Jim Beam were like these sort of excited, you know, amped up. You're, you're kind of adrenalized to be at these places. When I was at four roses, like I was at peace and maybe it was because we were the last tour of the day. Maybe it's because of the, the decor and the buildings. There was just something more Zen and peaceful about, four roses that you know it just makes you want to sip four roses and and chill out all right i got one more whiskey to try here oh yeah this is the newest release uh this is post jim rutledge this is brett elliott's sort of first thing that was his And this is the Four Roses Small Batch Select. This features six recipes of six to seven-year-old bourbon. And we've now jumped up to 107 proof. Uh, This is using mash bills one and two, five and six, seven and ten. And again, I talk about it a lot. I don't think that the art of blending gets enough credit this whiskey and i've tasted it before so you know you guys know that like i'm not tasting these things for the first time although sometimes on this podcast we do i would tell you if i was tasting it for the first time but i'm not i've i've obviously had this before to have a whiskey that tastes like this and you know you've got 10 mash bills to work with and you pick Six out of the 10. Now I get with the small batch two and three, because if you write down one through five on one column on your left, and then on your right, you write down six through 10, they basically mirror each other. One and six are the same combination, just that different base mass mash bill. So two and seven are the same, just mash bill B mash bill E so forth and so on. You guys kind of get the point. So with the small batch, it's two and three and directly across from that on the list, it's seven and eight. So it's the same yeast strains. It's the same everything else, just mash bill. This is six. 
So it's one and two and six and seven and five and ten. So, yeah, I guess they're the same, but why those six and why not three, four, eight, and nine? Uh, it, it's just a, it's magic to me how you come up with these combinations and how much trial and error, you know, kind of goes on here. And I wonder what happens with the batches that they put together that didn't become this. Like, do they bottle them? Is somebody there drinking them? I don't know. And quite honestly, I know you guys probably think like, is he getting loopy? Is he, is he losing it? Again, it's very, very late at night as I'm recording this. And yeah, I am getting a little, a little bit loopy. Um, oh, man. On the nose, this is, it's all caramel. It's caramel. It's, there's almost like a red apple kind of thing going on in the nose. It's a little spicy, like like if you had a caramel apple that had like pinches of maybe cayenne in the caramel sauce or like pink peppercorns to kind of just give it a little burst. All right, here we go. Mm. And really, with each step of the way of these whiskeys, they just get thicker. And richer, um, more flavor. Like each one is just an amped up version of the previous one. And this bottle here, you know, when you're looking at it, the small batch and the small batch select are the same exact bottle. Only the small batch select is a black label, whereas the small batch is more of a yellow label. And what I like that they do with the small batch select. There's a little necker, and usually I hate neckers. Neckers are those things that hang around the neck of the bottle. This one's not bad because it's on an elastic band, so it stays on tighter. I don't like the other ones because they just they fall off. They get all over the floor. They're annoying, and they're an unnecessary part of the package in most cases. But this one kind of has a little explanation of what the whiskey is, how Brett Elliott put the blend together, and then it actually lists the six recipes that are used right there on the Necker and what they bring to the table as far as flavor profiles. And on the front, it lists 104 proof and non-chill filtered. What does that mean? That means if you don't finish your glass when you get up in the morning, it's going to look cloudy. So, yeah, as we wrapped up our day at Four Roses, you know, everybody there, like everybody else at all of these distilleries in Kentucky, great people, just gracious hosts, really nice, really informative. Uh, and we were the last tour of the day. We were the last ones to, to leave the gift shop at the end of the day. And I know from being in retail, that last customer of the night, not always your favorite customer. Uh, being a bartender, that last customer out of the building at the end of the night, not always your favorite customer because, you know, that's who's keeping you from going home and getting on with your world. We were the last ones out of there, and you couldn't tell that they probably wanted us out of there uh, so that they could go on with their day as well. All in all, you know, like I said, Four Roses, visually, the zen, like 
it's it's almost impossible to pick a favorite place that you can go visit in Kentucky because each one is amazing in its own separate way. And Four Roses is no different. It's just a, it's a distinctly different uh, experience than any of the other distilleries. But I promise when we go back in April, this is one of the must go to places to visit. Uh, and it's conveniently located like 15 minutes from Buffalo Trace. Uh, so you can kind of bang out both of them in the same day. Um, yeah, just a really, really good time. All right, guys, I am going to wrap it from here because I'm exhausted. Uh, it has been a long week, and I feel if I go on any longer, I'm going to get goofier and goofier and start stumbling over words, and you'll never listen to this again. Uh, in conclusion, Four Roses Small Batch Select, is it good? Yes. Is it worth the money? I think it's about 60 on the shelf, so not an everyday buy. It's a little bit more special of a bottle, but worth Every single package, uh, every single penny. Packaging is spot on. You know, it's a small batch select. So it looks just like the small batch, just a better version. Uh, so it just looks like a more stylish, more elegant, bolder version of the regular small batch. The juice is good. It's worth the money. The bottle starts a conversation for certain winner across the board this really is a great great brand of bourbon and when i hear people go like yeah four roses it's not so bad like not so bad it's great and you know how you know it's great bartenders we're in the know um and i've had friends who bartended at high-end cocktail bars and i'm not gonna say their names or what bars they worked at i don't want to and throw anybody out there, but you know what? As bartenders, every now and then we're inclined to maybe take a drink behind the bar. Four Roses, along with Old Forester, are the two whiskeys of choice for shots by bartenders. They're just, you know, bartenders in the know know how good it is. And I feel like whiskey drinkers in the know, bourbon drinkers in the know know how good this stuff is. Uh, for anybody else, if you haven't tried the whiskeys from Four Roses, Really, it's it's a must-have. These are bottles you should have on your bar if you're a serious whiskey collector. You want a starting point? Start with the small batch because it's a good price point to kind of get into the brand with. Um, but man, that 80 proof yellow label for 20 bucks, that's just a, it's a home run. It's a winner every single day. I'm going to finish this class and, and go to sleep. All right, guys. Clearly, I'm wrapping it from here. Thank you guys so much for indulging me on the journey, as always. And so many great visits from so many of you out there this week, just sharing great whiskey. Um, tasted with a bunch of you this week. Uh, you guys dropped off samples and full bottles and... From the bottom of my heart, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys and you guys sharing your passion with me um, and enjoying my passions with you. It's it's just it's amazing and it keeps me going every week. So thank you, thank you, thank you again. Um, if you like what I'm doing, and if you're still listening through this hot mess of a podcast, um, 
you guys know the drill. Go to the podcast page, Spotify, or any one of the other podcast platforms that we are on. Click that follow button. Give it a five-star rating. Share it out on your social media. Follow on Facebook and Instagram. Well, you guys know I'm always posting things that I'm drinking, reading, listening to, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, you can also message me through both of those platforms. You can leave reviews and comments about the podcast on both of those platforms. For everything else, you can message me at the spiritguide89 at gmail.com. All right, guys, that's a wrap. I will be back with you for another Thursday night tasting. And uh, yeah. Cheers, guys. Yay! <laughs>